This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Invest Talk. This is a series by The Straits Times podcast channel Your Money and Career. At Invest Talk, we talk money matters and all things related to investing. We want to give you that extra edge in managing your hard earned money. I'm Lee Su Shan, Associate Editor and Senior Columnist at The Straits Times. Joining me in the studio for this episode is my colleague Ven Srinivasan, also an Associate Editor and Senior Columnist. Hi, Ven. Thanks, Sushan. Glad to be here. In this episode, we discuss the crisis that is engulfing the US and Swiss banking sectors. We will take a closer look at how the crisis started, how it has been playing out, and how the turmoil has shaken financial markets. Will this be a replay of the 2008 global financial crisis? We cover that, as well as discuss its impact on the Singapore financial sector and what could be some of the possible scenarios over the next few months. The first inkling we had of this banking crisis was early in March, when news broke that Silicon Valley Bank had failed. It actually had been on the radar of the US Federal Reserve for some time, as apparently it was not doing a good job of making sure it had enough funds should it run into problems. Essentially, everyone made some poor assumptions, Sushan, such as assuming that rising interest rates would benefit all banks all the time. On hindsight, that was a mistake. Many of SVB's depositors were from the tech sector. As interest rates rose, these bank clients hit tough times. They were losing access to venture capital. Some of them decided to pull out their deposits. Meanwhile, the bank was not getting the volume of loans to generate interest income. The net impact was that interest rates margins got squeezed. The bank found itself short of funds and went to the market to raise capital. This spooked the market and customers, who then started rushing to withdraw their deposit. A key asset for the bank was its bond holdings. These were not risky assets. In fact, much of it was in U.S. Treasury bonds and high-quality corporate bonds. But their values declined in market value as the U.S. Federal Reserve kept raising rates to fight inflation. Bond prices, you see, are inversely related to interest rates. In fact, unrealized losses on these securities stood at about US $600 billion by the end of 2022. When there was this bank run by customers, well, about $42 billion was pulled out of SVB when customers got wind of its problem. The bank found itself in a position where it had to sell securities to meet the withdrawal demands, but it had to sell these securities at large losses. As the bank run intensified, the U.S. Federal Reserve, Treasury, and the FDIC stepped in to guarantee all the deposits, and most thought that this would be the end of the crisis. Right. And then next came the unexpected collapse of Credit Suisse one of the largest private banking players in the world. So what happened there? Well, Credit Suisse is a slightly different story. Credit Suisse has been under financial pressure for some time. In 2022, it had undergone a restructuring and had sought fresh capital from its investors. What led to the collapse, or rather the takeover, I should say, was news that 
It had found material weakness in its 2021-2022 financial reporting process, which meant it did not have effective risk assessment to identify misstatements in its financial reporting. If you go back over the past four or five years, the bank has lost money in key deals like Archegos, Green Sills, Luckin Coffee in China. It also had numerous management scandals and missteps. The nail in its coffin came when Saudi National Bank, its single largest shareholder outside of Switzerland, said it wouldn't put more capital into the Swiss bank. Although SNB stated that the reason for this would be to stay below the 10% regulatory threshold, the fact that it declined to put in money into Credit Suisse triggered major panic on stock markets around the world. So the failure of Silicon Valley Bank and other smaller signature bank in the U.S. did not help matters. These were the two biggest bank failures in the U.S. since the financial crisis of 2008. But with Credit Suisse on shaky ground, Switzerland's central bank was forced to take action, in effect forcing its rival, UBS, to rescue Credit Suisse. Suddenly, the fear of contagion was everywhere. Everyone was hearing echoes of 2008. Indeed, with all this happening, there's been much discussion over whether this will turn into another global financial crisis. I personally don't think so. The three regional banks which collapsed in the US and had to be rescued had their problems which were very specific to their operations and client structures. And Credit Suisse, unlike Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers in 2008, had a solid enough asset base. Back in 2008, many of the banks had too much exposure to the US housing market. There were also mortgage-backed securities which were worth far less than was stated. Essentially, the banks were lending too freely. Credit Suisse's problem, on the other hand, was liquidity, not a balance sheet failure per se. The US $54 billion rescue package from the Swiss Central Bank was not enough to lift it over the liquidity shortage. But Credit Suisse had good assets and a strong client base worldwide, especially in wealth management. That said, the problems at SVB and others might have been avoided if the 2008 Dodd-Frank rules had not been rolled back in 2018. These rules ensured very tight regulatory oversight of the activities and holdings of banks. Well, even the US Fed doesn't seem to think it is a crisis of the GFC scale. In fact, in the midst of all this turmoil, the US Fed continued to raise rates. It raised rates by another 25 basis points after its March 21st to 22nd meeting to bring the benchmark federal funds rate to the range of 475 to 5%. US Fed Chairman Jerome Powell has also asserted that the banking system is sound and resilient. So that's one difference when we look back to 2008. Banks are much better capitalized now, and so far, the magnitude of the problem is much smaller. So, Ven, really, uh, more thoughts on whether this is another GFC version 2? Well, the circumstances today are highly different. The circumstances we face today is such that banks are generally better capitalised. Regulators are acting quickly and forcefully whenever problems arise. Household balance sheets are strong. The labour market remains tight. The situation in 2008 was very different lax regulatory regime and toxic products sold by banks to unsuspecting clients triggered the GFC. Today, there's much less of this. 
As for the Fed and rates, ultimately the Fed is in a no-win situation. It has to thread the needle between keeping inflation down and not destroying the economy. But recent statements by various Fed governors suggest that the rate of aggressive tightening may be over for now. The market expects at most another 25 basis points hike this year, then a pause through the fourth quarter. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Let's get back to the conversation with Ven Srinivasan. Ven, the dust has somewhat settled, but markets are still nervy. Let's look at what can happen next. For one thing, it will be tougher for US customers to get credit, given that there may be even one more rate hike This could send the US into a recession, albeit a mild one. In Singapore, the local bank stocks have weakened on fears of a financial contagion. So then what impact do you see on Singapore's financial sector from the ongoing troubles? Well, as I said before, I see minimal impact. Although looking at bank stock performances of late, I can see some caution raining on the market. The risk of contagion is minimal at this point of time. That said, We have also seen several internet banking licenses being given out over the past year. How the market volatility and interest rate conditions impact them is an open question. I am sure the Monetary Authority of Singapore is closely monitoring the activities and assets. But I don't think anyone can claim to be an expert in projecting how things will play out for them. Indeed. With all this uncertainty, investor sentiment has been affected and some investors are looking for stable yield for as long a time horizon as possible. Take the recent six-month Treasury bill issued by the Monetary Authority of Singapore at the end of March. That had a yield of 3.85%. This was quite a bit higher than the previous issuance, which had a cut-off yield of 3.65%, where it had fallen to the lowest since an issuance last September. So should investors stay on the sidelines? or can they still continue to be invested? When I speak to strategists and analysts, the advice is always the same. To stay invested, but take a long-term view. Challenging market conditions can throw up opportunities for the savvy investor who has a medium to long-term perspective. After all, every threat presents opportunities. The opening of China provides opportunities. Digitalization provides opportunities. The move towards sustainability provides opportunities. The emphasis on supply chain security provides opportunities. So do some homework. Do bottom-up research. Look at fundamentals before putting your money down. There are many opportunities that are bound for those who dare take a medium to long-term investment view. So that's it from us. The recent upheaval in the banking sector looks to be confined to only a few players and seems to have been contained after swift action. However, as you, the investor, remain invested in the market, still be mindful that the impact of higher interest rates will take some time to play out. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Invest Talk, a series by the Straits Times podcast channel, Your Money and Career. I'm Lee Sushen. And I'm Ven Srinivasan. If you'd like to read our columns, there are links in our podcast text description. Happy investing. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. 
Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Do note, all analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast are for your general information only. You should not rely on them in making any decision. Please consult a fully qualified financial advisor or professional expert for independent advice and verification. To the fullest extent permitted by law, SPH Media shall not be liable for any loss arising from the use of or reliance on any analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast. SPH Media accepts no responsibility or liability whatsoever that may result or arise from the products, services, or information of any third parties.